Looks like it's that time again. Time for another AEW Dynamite review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Hi, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Today is June 8th. We are going to be reviewing the AEW Dynamite that occurred on June 7th. It's the day after, like we, like we usually like to do it. Everything seems perfectly kosher and fine when that, when that stuff happens. So here we are. Hi. And we're, we're about to do it, but before we, we before we get into that, you all know the drill. Like this video if you're watching it on YouTube, and subscribe to the channel as well. You'll never miss another one of these reviews. Plus, you'll get all the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper content that you get on a regular basis on top of it all. So, there you go. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, I'm also available there if you didn't know, but if you are, you know, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, five-star rating on Spotify. Helps out tremendously. Helps out a great deal. And then, you know, if you subscribe and you follow and all that, all that stuff, you know, you will also be privy to my upcoming brand new set of content, which is going to be an AEW Collision review, which we're going to set into, we'll probably do it next day. Same thing as with uh, as with the Dynamite reviews, but for Collision. So if you want some of that, we're going to be starting this. Uh, we're going to be starting this on the 18th, right? The day after the first Collision, we even have our main event set. We'll talk about about, about that in a second. But look, there's more stuff coming our way, coming your way, and, and 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 you know, and if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, my G1 coverage is going to be happening all throughout July and August. So. There's a lot of, uh, your boy's going to be pumping out a lot of, uh, a lot of reviews, a lot of videos, a lot of stuff. So I highly, highly recommend, <laughs> highly recommend you come and subscribe and, uh, and follow if you aren't already. Just as a heads up, it's going to be worth your while. But, uh, in the meantime, before we even, before Collision and collision reviews become a gleam. Uh, well, they're not a gleam in my eye anymore. This is actually happening. Before they actually come to fruition, we got to talk about dynamite, as we do every week here. Like I said, June seven, happening in uh, Colorado Springs from the Broadmoor World Arena. And you know, spoiler alert: I enjoyed this dynamite. You know, if you if you if you don't want to. Hang out till the end, you know, to get my overall thoughts. I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was fun. It felt like a dynamite. Was it a mind-blowing, mind-melting experience like it was last week? No. <laughs> no. That, because, you know, dynamites like that happen, you know, once in a while. They're special. They have to stay special. But this one had all the elements that make, uh, that make it such a fun watch. Uh, this, it... We're still on the right track here. We're not dipping back into April last year. Uh, last uh, last April, I should say. Not last year. This year. Where things are sort of iffy and a little frustrating. No, things feel good. Things feel good. And we're in forbidden door season. AEW International title was the first match that we got at the gate, Orange Cassidy, the workhorse, he's back again. Successfully retained his title against Swerve Strickland in something that I was not expecting. I was absolutely not expecting Orange Cassidy to come out of this match 
with the with the title. I enjoyed this match quite a bit. Quite a bit. I thought actually the second half of this match was particularly good. I think that's really what made it special. You know, we had all sorts of, you, you know, you want your moves, you want your big, <clears throat> you want your, excuse me. <clears throat> you want your, that's a fantastic audio, isn't it? Um, you want your, 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 you know, your top spots. You want your big moves, big power moves. We got them here. DVD on the apron by Strickland and... Uh, Cassidy does a jumping DDT off the apron. Then we get an orange punch and a beach break. But that doesn't put Strickland away because Swerve still... Yeah, orange Cassidy uh, is still very much injured and fatigued. The orange punch hasn't been effective for weeks. The beach break ha doesn't have as much punch because you know, his back hurts, his arm hurts. He can't get it done. So Strickland kicks out of that. We get a brain buster on the floor by Swerve. But Cassidy locks in the mousetrap and Swerve is able to kick out of it. And then I'm like, okay, that's it. We're done. We're done. And I, I even put this in the Discord. That's it? Because this is why I had called. The day someone figures out how to sneak out of the mousetrap, Orange Cassidy's finished. That's when he loses the title. So at that point... I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm completely in on, oh, Swerve is going to do this. Here we go. He goes for a, he being Swerve, goes for the double stomp. Cassidy kicks out. He goes for the JML driver, but Orange Cassidy rolls through it, gets him in a pin in, in, in a, in a schoolboy, I guess. Holds the tights, gets the win. He had to hold the tights. He had no more options. Won by the skin of his teeth. Battered, bruised, Orange Cassidy. In a fantastic tale of championship, uh, of championship retention here. Week after week, or close to, defending the title. He's exhausted, he's battered, he's bruised. He's not taking any breaks. He's just like, yeah, no, I did a, you know, open challenge, let's go. It's Orange Cassidy, right? And... Week after week, he keeps getting more injured. He keeps sneaking through wins. Now you kind of feel like he's at the end of his rope here. You know, the orange punch is ineffective. The beach break is ineffective. The orange punch and the beef break, beach break together is ineffective. That's not good news. Mousetrap, eh, not as effective as it was. You know, now we have people sneaking out of it, which used to be his last resort thing. Now his last resort thing is rolling people up and holding tights. Don't, I love how this story has played out. Yes, it is a story. I can't stand this talk about stories in pro wrestling anymore. I really can't. So I'm not going to dwell on it. But this story, I'm not going to dwell on that subject. I can dwell on this story though. This story here has been fantastic. It's been an absolute, it's been, it, it, it is a textbook pro wrestling story that has been happening for weeks and just had this nice, natural quiet build of Orange Cassidy week after week having good to great defenses then all of a sudden it's like oh wait he's like uh, 20 and 0 he's 22 and 0 now he's what like 24 I don't know how much he's at anymore but the story and he's been saying it in backstage interviews with Rene Paquette oh I'm so tired I'm exhausted like it's not rocket science we don't need you know we, we don't need you know infinite amounts of 
monologuing to get this across. It's all happening in the ring before our eyes. Show your story, don't tell it. This is it. And it's fantastic. And Orange Cassidy is having a fantastic year so far. We're going to be coming up to, um, you know, we're coming up to the, uh, the halfway point of the year. Very, very soon, in, you know, in July. For reports and all that. For, hey, here, remember. If anyone wants to add Orange Cassidy to their Wrestler of the Year shortlist for their half year, this, it makes a lot of sense. It's been, he has had a remarkable, remarkable run. So, so now we're at the point where all of his typical offense is not working. His big finishing offense, it's not working out for him. Now he has to resort to holding tights to get a win. Oh boy, our boy Orange is in trouble. So he is going to lose the title, probably to Swerve, in the next match. Swerve will probably get the upper hand. He'll have seen all the weaknesses, everything, how, how bad everything is. And that's it, we're done. Orange Cassidy's reign will be over. And Swerve... I think what Swerve needs to do in that match, he needs to be he needs to be even more apparent on how on how bad he'll be exploiting the injuries, the you know how hurt Cassidy is, how tired he is. He needs to be even more blatant, blatant, because Swerve is a cerebral wrestler. That's his thing. He's a smart wrestler. So he should come into the next match with this very clear ga game plan and be very blatant about it, be a weasel throughout, and get the win. Anyway, after the match here, the uh, the embassy. I, do we are we calling it still the Mogul Embassy or is it just the straight up Embassy? Because they came out to, you know, on on the Tony Tron they had the Embassy logo. It wasn't Mogul Embassy. They did. I don't know. But listen, Prince Nana and the boys hit the ring to beat Orange Cassidy down a little more. See, a little more damage there. And the lights come back up after a little a little while. It was a little long. People seem to have trouble hitting their spots. Uh, and Sting and Darby Allen were in the ring, having chased off the embassy dudes, the mogul embassy dudes. So this relationship between Orange Cassidy, Darby, and Sting... Which has roots. Continues. I like it. You can't. You can't say that this. That all of this is isn't over. You, you. You're just kidding yourself. If you. If you are. You're just absolutely kidding yourself. But uh, fun match to kick things off. Another hot match and a fun little angle to wrap it up. And the ongoing saga of Orange Cassidy's remarkable. International Championship defense continues. We get a video package hyping up the main event. Ricky Starks, Jay White. Again, Jay White just cutting promos and sounding fantastic. We're going to get to that in a bit. Then Brian Danielson comes out to join commentary, setting up for the, the BCC match. But 
Before we settle everything down, we do a recap of Danielson's challenge to Kazuchika Okada. You know, just to make sure everyone understands. And to make sure everyone understands what the story is. Because we can't just have cool matches, right? We can't just have matches pop out of nowhere and have people really, really legitimately excited. No, we have to, we have to cater to all the people who have no idea, who, who, don't, watch, who don't watch AEW, who have no idea who Kazuchika Okada is, right? We have to cater to these people. Give them a story. Well, here's the story. Brian Danielson says, they call him a once-in-a-lifetime talent. I'm a once-in-a-lifetime talent. Oh, there you go. Okay, he's just bitter and angry. There's your story. What, do you need something more? Should Okada raid Danielson's home and kidnap Bree? Is that something we should do? Should should Danielson, you know, go to uh, go back to Japan and and steal Kazuchika Okada's, you know, entrance robe, his gi, whatever you want to call it? Should should we should we be doing that? Would that add more to the match? Would that make you feel better? Would that be a good story? Would that get you more invested into this match? Hmm. That's the story. The story is Kazuchika Okada and, and Brian Danielson, two of the greatest to ever do it, are going to be fighting for the first time. Both are pretty much at the peak of their careers. Let's go. That's the story. It's just a cool match. And then this is uh, followed up because uh, we cut back from commercial. This is followed up by a little hype reel for Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door. You know, again, wrapping everything up in a nice little bow to make sure everyone understands what the story here is. You know, Kenny Omega holds a title and there's a challenger. That's the, you know, that's the basic story. Sure, add in, you know, them two having one of the greatest matches at, of all time at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. That's, a, that's another layer, but, you know, Apparently, challenging for titles isn't enough as a story. Anyway, Blackpool Combat Club, represented by Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta defeated the Chaos Troop of Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and Rocky Romero. I thought this was well-worked. Well-worked, fast-paced. I think it's no surprise that they referred to the best friends in Rocky Romero as Chaos here, which is Kazuchika Okada's faction in New Japan. And, you know, again, Excalibur took the time to explain it. You, there's no excuses. Just pay attention, folks. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but basically I'm saying there's no surprise here because this is akin to Brian Danielson's, Brian Danielson's boys going after Okada's boys. So, it, you know, I, there, it wasn't a mistake that they were using chaos here. Uh, and the Chaos Boys go after the bullet, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club before the bell. And they're just all over the place. It's fantastic. Like a, a great opening. Still lots of palpable animosity between Wheeler Yuta and the best friends. Best friends land the soul food half and half combo. BCC land a heart attack. Some, look, it's just great back and forth throughout the entire thing. It's really good. Best friends land strong zeros. Get the the pin gets broken up though. Trent goes for an SIE moonsault that Claudio anti airs with an uppercut. Just plomp, 
Fantastic stuff. Hammer and Anvil elbows by Wheeler and, 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 and Moxley in the ring. John Lux in a, sub a submission and Rocky taps. Wheeler keeps pounding at Chuck. After the bell, just grinding in some more shots. Referee's like, hey, cut the shit out. Hey. He eventually lets go. And I like how then Wheeler's like, he's super intense. But I like how Moxley and Claudio, they're like, hey, they're super proud of him. They're like, you know, roughing up his hair. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Like it, to this, to this point, to this, even right now, the BCC is still, uh, is still some of the best stuff in, in, in AEW. It's really some of the best stuff in AEW still. Then we cut to backstage where we have uh, 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 the, the Jacksons, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Adam Page who challenged the BCC for uh, the big uh, Washington show next week, uh, the one-year anniversary of AEW and in the same building and so on and so forth, which is going to rule. But I think... I speak for most of us when I say I was not expecting to hear the words hung bucks uttered on national American television. I mean, look, it's the name that that Paige and the Bucks would use as a trio when they teamed together, you know, in Ring of Honor in Japan, whatever. They call themselves the hung bucks, right? I just was it caught me by surprise. Because I was not expecting Excalibur to have the gumption to utter those words on television. I'm like, fantastic, let's go. Wrestling is back, baby. <laughs> so we're getting the Hung Bucks versus the BCC next week. Let's get excited about it. I think uh I think it's a good I, I think it's a good reason to get excited. It's a very good excited, a good, very good reason to get excited. And then um, we come back from commercial and MJF hits the ring for a promo. He shits on Colorado. He's con he he's consistent with his distaste for Colorado. Like I know he. You know, he's always like, this place sucks. You know, of course, he's a heel, except when he's in Long Island. But every time they go to Colorado, like, I find he's particularly pointed towards Colorado. Like, there's something there that he really does not like. That And, and, and I feel he pushes on the gas a little more than in other cities where he just says, you suck. So like, he makes an emphasis on the fact that this place stinks. So the audience respond to him by saying, you suck. And, he's, and he responds by saying, well, your mother swallows. <laughs> he talks about there being uh, no competition in AEW for him, which is, you know, has been his thing, saying no one is on the level of the devil. That brings out, to my surprise, Adam Cole. And why am I surprised? Well, as I've been mentioning over the past couple of weeks, you know, I feel... Like an Adam Cole feud with MJF is inevitable, but out the gate, I thought 
MJF CM Punk would have been the one because, like I mentioned, MJF is owed a match by CM Punk. Not only a match, but CM Punk owes lying flat on his back for the one, two, three for MJF. That he owes him that. I've covered this in the past. We're not going to rehash this right now. So I'm surprised. I'm like, I, I'm legitimately surprised that out the gate we are going with Adam Cole, who I feel probably could have used a little more rehabilitation. I mentioned last week on the review, the 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 tag team match that he had on Dynamite last week was absolutely designed for him to get some heat back off of that tepid, tepid performance at um, at Double or Nothing, right? So I'm, I'm convinced that's what it was for. So now we're leaning right into it, major baby face. And, you know, I, I know there's, now it's very much I find a la mode to criticize Adam Cole. Like the, the, now, he's, now he's the center of, of, of a lot of issues. Like, why are we pushing this guy? He's washed, body, so on and so forth. Like all the, you know, yeah, all of the usual tropes that you get with Adam Cole, he's too small, he, you know, he doesn't look like a champion, his body, you know, and all of that. Now we have these, well, he's washed situations where it's like, Christ, let's, let's, let's legitimately pump the brakes here. I think there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of undue criticism here as it stands right now. Now, do I think Adam Cole is better as a heel? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely 100% believe Adam Cole is much more compelling as a heel. Good look. I'm, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready yet to toss this guy uh, to the side, to cast him aside. I still, he has, I, he has, he still has tremendous upside. But look, let's go, let's talk about this promo a little bit that MJF cuts. Says when CM Punk left him and he thought his wrestling fandom had, what, what had gone. He flipped channels, saw a show called Ring of Honor and he thought Ring of Honor sucked until he saw a man with slicked black hair and icy blue eyes. Slick in the ring and perfect on the microphone. He was genuinely instantly hooked on Adam Cole. He, he references Cole working and winning titles in CZW, the major indies. Talks about going to Florida where he shocked the system as Shawn Michaels handpicked guy. The best champion that promotion ever saw and that's undisputed. Fans start calling MJF a mark. And he says, yeah, I'm a mark. I'm a mark for Adam Cole. That's fine. He says that he was looking forward to Adam Cole joining AEW. He thought it was inevitable so that they could feud together. He, MJF, with another generational talent. But then this guy showed up. He said, what happened to the Adam Cole I knew? knew? He used to be the Panama Playboy. Now he's the Panama Game Boy. Maybe not the best. Kind of, uh, you get, but I get it. It's also, uh, he says he... Play, you know, he says now Adam Cole plans, spends his time playing Twitch like a virgin golem, which is. <laughs> I don't know why we had to add virgin golem. Has golem ever got any? Like if I were. I would assume like it would be my assumption that golem 
is inherently a virgin. In fact, most hobbits, I feel, are. You're going you're gonna to tell me Frodo Baggins is not a virgin? Anyway, whole other topic for a whole other podcast. Britt Baker, he says also Britt, Britt, Britt Baker keeps leaving the house with his, uh, with his balls in her purse. This is MJF talking about Cole as well. And then he talks about the physique. Didn't you used to have the physique of a world champion? And uh, MJF says, you know, some people say it's the company that is misusing Adam Page. But he says, look, they're, they're doing everything to make you look cool, Adam. You know, they give you the big entrance. They give you the pyro. They give you the music. They give you the girl. They give you the, 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 the reality show. And he says, all they have to do with me to make me cool is ring the damn bell. And I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. Cole fires back. Says he's coming across, says Max is coming across as a toxic social media troll. And there's a lot of things that he could talk about, you know, and that he's going to skim over. Like Brit, although Brit could kick your ass, MJF. He's going to skip over that. Adam Cole tries to roast him back. Well, you know, and it, when I say try, he does it. You know, he references his fiance leaving him as, you know, why are you so obsessed with other people's relationships when you can't hang on to one on your own? Calls him a douchebag. Shoots back at the body issues. Says, ha ha, as if I haven't heard those before. Says, but if you want to go down that road, MGF, you know, we could go backstage and piss at some cups to see who's natural and who isn't. Oh, you don't want to do that, do you? Oh, interesting, interesting. But then he starts making this all about respect, he being Adam Cole, and how nobody in the back respects MJF. Um... He says, oh, no one respects me. That's such a shame. I'll cry in my money about it. This is tough talk coming uh, coming from Keith Lee's manager, which is really funny. Um, and uh, and then this gets to them setting up a match for each other. Uh, later, we learn that we're going to get Adam Cole versus MJF next week on Dynamite in an Eliminator match. Um, so that was the extent of the promo, which I really liked. And... I feel like I'm on an island on this one. Maybe there's a couple of people with me on it, but I feel like overall this is being nitpicked to hell. And this was a very entertaining promo segment. And at, and at this point, if you're not used to what MJF does in the ring with, with promos, I mean, ah. and I don't know what to tell you. And I don't know what standard MJF has to do anymore to, to make people live up to him. Because look, all throughout, here's the thing, all throughout the, um, the, 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 the feud with the four, with the, the, the four pillar feud, the, the, everyone was, was saying, well, you know, MJF isn't as good. He's not shining. You know, I had, I was, you know, he, uh, he's not pulling up these great MJF promos, so on and so forth. And, and they're letting the other guys talk, which is a disaster. And I had posited, I said, look, Maybe MJF is dialing it back because the three other dudes can't hold a candle to him. Maybe. So then people are like, MJF, what's going on? And then he comes in and he cuts it. Like this is a classic cookie cutter MJF promo. And I don't mean this in a bad way. More like hitting all the beats as opposed to cookie cutter. Let's use that. He hits all the typical MJF beats here. And people are still like, Argh. They're still grumbling about it. It's too long. 
that's the one bit of criticism that I might get behind. It's like, you know what? Maybe at some points, yeah, like you could have, you could have tightened this ship up a little bit. Uh, sure, I'm, I'm, I, I can agree with that. I think it could have, you could have shaved off a couple of minutes. You know, some of the stories, you know, some of the extent to which, you know, we we were diving into Adam Cole's past with other promotions and WWE and all that. Maybe we could have left that aside. But the things about low-hanging fruit is like, this is MJF. MJF is by design created for you not to cheer for him. This is his thing. His job is to get the baby face over. So people complain about the low-hanging fruit and then what does Adam Cole have as a as a as a comeback says you're a troll you act like a social media troll you're a douchebag and yes he conducts himself like a dude is there a more douchebag response to anything than him responding your mother swallows like that is the most douchebag thing so he's right and this is just well-executed heel heat where he goes into it using all these, you know, these poor-ass things and Adam Cole calling him out on it. Outright saying, brother, you're terrible. You're a douchebag. We don't like you. We've never liked you. And we don't respect you on top of that because you act like a fucking douchebag. That's the difference between you and me. I don't... Like, I... I don't, I have trouble understanding what the overall issue with this, with, with especially MJF's part, what the issue was. And yes, he's drawn out and he, 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 draw, he, he, he drew this up. But again, this is what he does. He yaps, he talks. And then eventually, Adam Cole just picks up a microphone and he keeps his points concise. So again, we're doing juxtaposition here. Adam Cole gets on the mic. He's much shorter, much more concise. He gets to the point. As opposed to MJF who goes, you know, it's story time. We open up, you know, volumes one through six of this series in one promo. So, of course, then when it's time for the babyface to cut his stuff, and you're like, yeah, Adam Cole, cool guy. That's what you're supposed to do. And on top of it, I don't give a shit about uh, uh, about him bringing up Vince McMahon, right? He bring, he brought up Vince McMahon. He brought up the rumor that Vince McMahon didn't see potential in Adam Cole and that's why he hit the bricks, right? And then he says, oh, maybe Vince was right. And people are like, there they go referencing the WWE. Here's the thing. And there's two elements to this, to, to this, to this tale first and foremost. First of all, is there any other bigger, is there any bigger heel thing you could do to an AEW fan than to say, I agree with Vince McMahon? I don't think you could. Vince McMahon is the biggest heel for AEW fans. We don't like Vince. They don't like him at all. That's, that's the whole premise of this company. We don't want to work for Vince because Vince is an awful person. So you have the top heel of the company saying Vince McMahon was right. Perfect. 
That's how you get people riled up. People were riled up for MJF's promo. Oh, fuck you. You agree with Vince McMahon. Eat shit, MJF. Fantastic stuff. But then, the second part, the second point here that I want to bring up, it's the point that I bring up multiple times. The canon of AEW is professional wrestling. It's professional wrestling in general, right? Now, we've spent the better part of two decades with one company living in a silo, living all by itself, and even in the 90s, where on occasion would reference the competition, but very, very seldom. But they would live in a silo in a universe. It's no mistake why they call it the WWE universe, right? Because everything else doesn't exist in it. I hope I hope this isn't lost on anyone, right? The WWE universe legitimately means this is our bubble, this is our thing, and nothing else lives within it because we control everything within this universe. So whatever happens on the outside, it is of no purpose to WWE. So we have seen this company do one thing one way and say we don't reference other companies, and then automatically everyone thinks, well... If you're referencing other companies, that's a sign of weakness. You shouldn't be doing that. That's, you know, it's poor form. Uh, who cares? That's not poor form. And if you and if you ad, if you adhere to the concept that the lore of professional wrestling is AEW's, AEW's lore, that they will reference New Japan and Ring of Honor and CZW and All Japan and, and, and Mid-South and Roddy Piper and that they will reference all of all of the, the 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 rich deep history of pro wrestling on its show if you accept that they will do that that they will reference the lore of pro wrestling on their show how can you not refer to Vince McMahon as part of this lore no one raised an eyebrow when they talked about CZW no one raised an eyebrow weeks, you know, months ago when they would talk about Jim Crockett promotions or whatnot. No one, oh, but you talk about Vince McMahon, then it's like, I can't keep the other company's name out of their mouth. This is just, it's par for the course in AEW. And if anything, it's refreshing, you dorks. And this is how it should be. Vince McMahon is ingrained into the history of professional wrestling. He is one of its most important key players. So if you want to talk about it, and if you want to drop his name, you should. You should absolutely do that. You should drop Shawn Michaels' name. He is part of the lore of AEW. Even if he works for the, uh, of, of professional wrestling, excuse me. Even if he works for the other guys. Shawn Michaels is a critical, essential figure in the history of world wrestling entertainment. Because... They've been around for 50 years. How are you going to avoid talking about WWE? Let's not be stupid here. Because the opposite is ignoring it. And that comes off as disingenuous and moronic. So yes, talk about Vince. Talk about WWE. I don't care. I want more of this. WWE should do more of this. This is what the shit talk is for. There should be more of this in pro wrestling. I don't have a problem with it. And especially, especially when your top heel, the top 
heel champion of your company is using it to get heat from your fan base who doesn't like the competition. You build AEW off of the back of creating another place for professional wrestling, professional wrestlers to work, to create a true alternative to what WWE, to WWE's vision of pro wrestling. So sure, use the other guys as heels. This is what you should do. And in all the shit talk promos that have existed in the history of AEW, I thought this was the most well done. Because he's dropping Vince as a way to create hate for himself by saying, I agree with Vince McMahon. Like Jesus Christ. What, what, a, way, what a way to make sure the fans don't like you anymore, Max. But that's, that's his job. That's what he should do. I wrote an article on this months ago and it's still, it's going to be an evergreen article because every time MJF does this kind of stuff, oh, it's low-hanging fruit. He's, you know, oh, it's low-hanging low fruit and he should stop talking about WWE. Every time he does it, it's to get those reactions. And he's so good at it. He's such a master of the promo and the mic that when he does it, he can get away with it. If I did that, I couldn't. You know, if, you know, uh, if Sean Spears were to do that, he wouldn't get away with it. But it's MJF. So yes, there's a different set of rules for him. That's just how it goes. Anyway, I still think the big match should have been MJF and CM Punk. But look, what do I know? The Hardy Boys and Isaiah Cassidy are backstage with Ethan Page, um, who is now Matt's employee. I, I sincerely could not give less of a shit about all of this. I, anyway, let's move on. Te Texas, see, this is something I'd rather much more talk about rather than the Hardy Boys and, 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 and Ethan Page. Texas Tornado Tag Match, Jungle Hook, defeated Preston Vance, and Dralistico of La Facción Ingobernable, this ruled. Like this, this is a match where you, whatever you were expecting was the complete opposite. I had even zero expectations for this match. And holy shit, this delivered, over-delivered, Hook and Vance fighting into the audience while Jack Perry and, and Dralistico are in the ring. And then Preston Vance gets cracked in the skull with chains. Look, we get cables, t TV cables and chains and tables and chairs. And we're fighting everywhere in the audience. There's chaos happening. It's a Texas tornado match. This is, everything is, is working here. Preston Vance gets creamed across the head with a, with, with a chain. And he ble bleeds a gusher. Hook, hook lands an exploder suplex off the apron through some tables. Great spot, which allows Jack Perry to lock in the snare trap on Dredstico for the win. I mean, th this match ruled. I don't know what to tell you. This was a blast. And the guys are celebrating in the ring. And they're, you know, they're covered in Vance's blood, both of them. Because that's how much he that's how much Preston Vance was bleeding. They're both covered in blood. Even though it's Hook that took more of the offense on, on Vance. It's just fantastic stuff. And look again. Another great showing by, by Hook here. And they're putting him in this context where he can... Look. 
Hook is great and all, and he's a fantastic prospect, but I think we're still on all on the same page that, you know, he's still an unfinished product, but putting him in these types of matches, you can mask a lot of his, a lot of his problems. This was great. I want to point out, you know, Jack Perry tearing at Doristico's mask, that's a very, that's a very rudo thing to do. That's not very, you know, that's not very, uh, that's not very uh, uh, babyface of you, Jack. So are we setting the seeds for... Because this seems to be like the, the, the overall um, consensus. Con, 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 um, <laughs> what am I trying to say? The overall uh, 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 thought is that uh, Jack Perry is, uh, is slowly going to be transitioned to a heel and... You know, people seem to think that this is going to be a great thing. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. You know, Jack has very natural babyface underdog capabilities. Is that... And he has trouble getting that across into like a real deal main event thing. How will being a heel improve on that? I Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Is it better than not trying anything at all and just try? Sure, absolutely, actually. I, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm not as convinced as a lot of folks are that the Jack Perry heel turn is going to be the, is going to be the problem solver. It might make him a little more interesting. It might be too. That'll depend on him. Maybe this is the angle that we've been needing to really elevate Jack Perry to the next level. I don't know. We're, I don't know. I'm not confident either way, but it's better to try something than nothing at all, I guess. Then we have Tony Khan making the announcement. God, I love it. I, I'm sorry. And I know they annoy a lot of people. And they kind of do. And, the, and I think ultimately the strategy of drip feeding the collision announcements was not good. Because I think it has hurt ticket sales. That's just me. And I talked about it this week on the podcast. I'm not going to rehash this. If you want to watch it, listen to it. Go right ahead. But, um, but uh, you know, despite the fact that I think the strategy is not great, I'll be damned if I don't laugh my face off every time I see Tony Khan standing there with his mic and his, you know, his AI voice. It's just... <laughs> So, like, everything prepared, quartered, and, you know, he's not slipping up. Every He's got the prompter right in front of him, and he's... Just, I mean, this is what you do. Don't get me wrong. You, you want to make sure you say exactly what is needed to be said. And, you know, I don't think Tony's that great an improviser when it comes to... When it comes to this type of mic work. So, I, you know, I absolutely write, you know, write up his script. We let it roll on the prompter in front of him and but you know his suit and standing there and the smile I just love those segments there's something so he's he's the greatest he's so memeable I think that's the thing he's just so memeable but he announced the main event of the uh, July 17 collision in Chicago Jay White Juice Robinson and Samoa Joe will be taking on CMFTR, it's it's happening, baby. It's becoming reality. CM Punk and FTR 
are going to are going to be a thing on collision. That's your big, big main event to kick things off. You know, and why isn't CM Punk in a singles match? Listen, why would you put single uh, CM Punk on his night back in a singles match? You know, injury prone, hasn't wrestled in since September 2022. 20, yeah, 2022. Hasn't wrestled since then. Injury prone CM Punk. Why would you risk putting him in a singles match out the gate? This way, you can smoke and mirror a lot of shit. You can have, you can have uh, Cash and Dax do a lot of the work. And then he comes in with the big hot tag at the end. Like, I, I already see this structure here. Given the, 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 the go to sleep to, uh, to Juice Robinson, I see this happening. This all makes sense to me. Frankly, in Tony's boots, I probably do the same thing. Because the draw isn't necessarily the singles match. It's the fact that he's there. That's what we're all going to be watching. We're all going to be excited for CM Punk and a live mic. Which, there's no guarantee he's going to get either. Like, if he's the main event, do we start off the show with CM Punk? Or do we keep him for the main event? I don't know. I don't know. That, I don't know what I'd do. Kinesuke Takeshita comes to the ring with Don Callis to defeat Damon Ace. It's a squash. After the match, Callis cuts another promo about, I'm going to tell you the truth about Kenny Omega and that uh, the elite, he and the elite are a cancer and he's going to cut the cancer out. Uh, the same thing that he rehashed a little last week. You know, there's nothing, nothing exceptional about it, but uh, the people were into it again. He was getting fantastic heat once again was it on the level of last week no because i think last week was a bit of a bubble but it was still real angry heat sure he took a couple of pauses to let to let it build and you could tell maybe those were a little more manufactured than last week now you can and you know they're coming out without any music they're doing that now no music for Takeshita. To let the booze overwhelm. It was fine. It was fine. Look, you know, they want to establish Takeshita as a heel. And look at Takeshita when he when he pinned uh, Damon Ace. Finding the live cam and mugging for it. I'm like, look at this guy go. Look at him go. Alex Marvez is backstage. He discovers that Christian Cage and Luchasaurus took out Brock Anderson because, because Arn Anderson sucks. Why isn't this about Wardlow? That's, that's my thought. That's, that's my only thought. And we get the AEW TBS title match. Chris Statlander defeated Anna JAS. Fine little match here. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, well worked overall, you know. Anna Jay is, I don't think she gets the uh, the credit for how much she has improved in her character work, in her in-ring. You know, she's not tearing it down like Minami Toyota. You know, she's not, she's no Kyrie Sane. She's no uh, Io Shirai. But, 
to say that he, she hasn't been improving is disingenuous. And you see, you put her in here with a match with someone with a seasoned wrestler like Chris Statlander, and she finds her footing. She finds her spots. She's very good. This was good. Continuing to milk the return of Statlander here. The only thing that I'm worried about, this, I hope that TK learns from the streak and the TBS title to not start feeding Chris Statlander all sorts of opponents week after week and run through them and then we end up to a point where we're like, well, who's left for Statlander, you know? Or that everyone's been geeked out. So then you try to reheat someone down the road and it's like, it doesn't work out, you know? Like, I hope he's learned from that. So I hope that's not what they're doing with Statlander here. But they should return. They should milk her return because she's over. People love Chris Statlander. She's very endearing. She has a great connection. And Jay lands a gory bomb, rolling lariat by Statlander, who fights out of a Queen Slayer and gets the win with a tombstone pile driver. Matt Menard tries to get involved as well in the match. He is fantastic as well. I enjoyed this match. I liked the structure of it. Made a lot of sense. Liked that one of the JAS boys came out to uh, to be in, in, in Anna's corner. I thought everything worked here. Then we get Tony Storm hyping up a match for next week's Dynamite. She's going to be fighting the winner of a four-way match happening on Rampage this week between Mercedes Martinez making a big return, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Sky Blue. I, you know, I haven't seen the spoilers. I stay away from them. Because uh, I usually watch Rampage uh, on the Saturday morning. Uh, and... Um, I would guess that Brit doesn't win here. I would guess the outcasts make it so that Brit doesn't win and they just feed someone like Sky to, to Tony. Or Mercedes Martinez would actually be a better choice. I don't know what they have planned for her, but she'd be a better choice because I think you'd get a better match overall. With Tony and Mercedes Martinez working together would be outstanding. And then the main event, Jay White defeated Ricky Starks. Look, I I thought, you know, as, as hot as the show started off, I think everything sort of started to trail in the second hour and uh, unfortunately didn't, uh, didn't pick up and the main event just really didn't do it. It didn't click. This match didn't click as much as their previous match did, especially like the, the final like third of the match, final half, final third of the original Ricky Starks and, and uh, Jay White did where it was really starting to pick up and I was kind of disappointed by the ending. This kind of dragged. I don't think it was a very good match. And I don't know what to think about the Ricky Starks push, Matt, anymore. I really don't. I don't know what to think about his push. I think it's been invalidated. Um, and 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 and, and this, is, this is unfortunately one of Tony Khan's worst booking traits is that sometimes he doesn't know how to follow up on things. Ricky Starks went into the feud with MJF, MJF's first feud as a champion, just lasted a couple of weeks, was defended on TV. He came in blazing hot, just over-delivered on every level, rose his, rose to superstar in the eyes of many. Uh, a lot of people finally seeing the potential that Ricky Starks has, which a lot of us had already seen, which was, you know, world championship ceiling that's his potential 
Um, and we're seeing that it doesn't work out, of course, because it's MJF's first defense. It's not going to work out. But Ricky didn't come out looking like a bum here. Goes into the feud with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And I don't care what the bad faith people have to say. This was a terribly effective feud for, for Ricky Starks, who not only would defeat the JAS members uh, over and over again, but fought Chris Jericho, what, twice? And defeated him clean as a sheet twice. So... Everything in order for Ricky Starks to continue looking like a superstar and he gets saddled into this feud and at first we're like, oh, with Jay White, former IWGP, you know, world champion and a star, an international superstar and we already see the connections with the mic work and the ring work and we're like, this is going to rule but it's firmly placed in the mid card with some very strange booking decisions with the Juice Robinson getting involved and the the Sean Spears and you know what is going on devaluing Ricky on a certain level and then in the meantime unable to make Jay White feel like a big deal make him feel like the superstar that he is not giving them any promo time not letting them banter at each other like this feud was nothing and now this feud sort of ends in in a bit of a you know a bit of a splat instead of trying to elevate a guy. I don't think either guy really comes out of this, you know, with people going, whoop, whoop, this was fantastic. We have a new star here. We got, you know, whatever. No one's star was really improved here. And then Ricky Starks gets punked out by the guns. Is this what we're doing? <coughs> I don't know if Ricky is being reprimanded for backstage behavior or whatnot. Like, I don't, honestly, I don't know. There has to be a reason that we're not seeing on TV for this other, other than Tony Khan just completely dropping the ball. There has to be some... Because this is a this is absolutely egregious how all of this has been handled. And if now we're moving into Ricky Starks feuding with the guns on some level, I'm like, I, I couldn't possibly care less about this. And this is absolutely... It has been a, a significant demotion as to his position on the card in which lane he's in. He's switched back lanes to a, a previously lower lane. I don't understand how this is working out. I really don't. So again, you know, this is, this is one of Tony Khan's worst booking tropes. Is that he has, sometimes he has difficulty with the follow-up for a wrestler after a feud. After it's all wrapped up. And Ricky is unfortunately eating the brunt of that. But I have to take, like I said, I have to take this a step further because it's so bad now. It is so incomprehensible to me that Ricky Starks is now going to be embroiled with the guns. That there has to be some backstage stuff happening where Tony Khan is, is laying the law down on Ricky and being looked. You, you know, something happened. I have to admonish you. We're not going to push you. Like, whatever. Or we're putting your push on hold. There's something happening. And you can tell in Ricky Starks' face and mannerisms, the spark isn't there. The, that electricity, not to take a word from another guy who he gets often compared to, but that electricity that he has legitimately ain't there. I feel like he's holding it back. 
You know, people say, you know, oh, Ricky Starks is going to be out of AEW when his contract ends. I, I can't say the opposite. I have no, there, I have no reason to believe that he is an absolute lock, that he is absolutely going to stay. We look. I don't know when his contract is up, and I don't know when when that's going to happen. And there's anything that can happen in the meantime. But let's be honest with with each other. This feud with Jay White was a miss. The follow-up to his Jericho feud was a miss. And now it's going even deeper as we're settling in with the guns of all fucking people. It's nonsense is what this is. I don't understand it. And I can't be... See, and I can't apply I the same type of logic with Jay White. Because as, as bad as I think Jay White has been handled, and this feud has been handled, and how Jay White doesn't come across as the star that he is, he's about to go to collision. He's going to main event the first collision with CM Punk. Sure, it's in a it's in a tag. It's in a it's in a trios match, but the point still stands. This is still the thing. He's going to be in a main event, main eventing the big new show on the first night in the United Center. I hope the I hope it sells out so that Jay White can add that to his list of accolades. I single-handedly sold out the United Center in Chicago. I hope he can add that. But, so, just to make my point very clear here, because I don't think I have, I have trouble applying the same type of logic for to, to Ricky Star, uh, to Jay White that I do with Ricky Starks, because Ricky, Ricky doesn't have, uh, because R Ricky is feuding with the guns. And Jay White is now moving on to main eventing a collision with CM Punk. Jay White is going to be fine. Ricky, I don't know anymore. I don't know what the plan is. And I think it is a, I, I think it is a terrible misappropriation of a, of a star in the making. And I can only blame, I can only, you can only blame Tony Khan for this. And whether it's his lack of foresight or something happening backstage that he feels like he had to act on and 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 reduce Ricky's push I don't know there's something going on there's there's something that it just does not feel right if we're transitioning to the guns Ricky Starks last fall not even a year ago a, a star acting like one wrestling like one in an electrifying match again I'm sorry for the for the words but that's what the, that's what they are that's what it was electrifying match with MJF newly crowned champion great feud with Chris Jericho on top of it comes out the clear winner of the feud and now we're back down to the guns what is going on I don't understand it I do understand that it is time to wrap up this edition of the uh, of the Dynamite Review. I hope you enjoyed it a great deal. If you're still listening, leave a like on YouTube. Leave a review on 
uh, Apple Podcasts, a rating on Spotify. Five stars would be ideal. Uh, all these little things really do help grow the channel. And if it's your first time here, consider subscribing as well. I'll be back on uh, Tuesday for another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your day and a fantastic weekend. Mm -hmm.